0: Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to 2016 and welcome back to the 90 Min podcast. I am joined as ever by Jamie Spencer.
1: Hello.
0: Aidan Cusick. Hello. And we welcome back Scott Saunders from his trip to Peru to find the rarest and most exclusive hairsprays known to man. <laughs>
2: Hello, it's good to be back. <laughs>
0: Seeing as it's the start of the year, we thought we'd throw out some predictions for what's coming up in 2016. Uh, some we're fairly sure of, some long shots, and some kind of in-betweeny ones. I think that's the technical term. Uh, we'll start with the standard kind of po-faced one, Scott.
2: Um, well, it comes from the top of the Premier League, or should I say, second in the Premier League now. It's on Leicester City. Having seen their last couple of games, last three games, they haven't won in the last three. They haven't scored in their last three. And I think the fairy tale is over. They've got Tottenham in the FA Cup this weekend. Can't see them going too far in that. But they've got a really tough run of games now coming up in the league. And after failing to beat Bournemouth at the weekend, I think the spark has gone. Or maybe they've kind of... They're running out of steam a little bit. And over this tough run of games I mean they've got Tottenham, Liverpool, City and Arsenal over the next six or seven games and this is a time now in the season where they really need to kick on and I don't see it happening and I think if they don't do that then this season could end up in tatters well not tatters you know they've had they've had a great season it is as it is but I don't see them playing in Europe in the Europa League or the Champions League by the end
0: of the season. There we go. I mean, I have to say, I kind of agree with that. I think they've clung on a bit longer than I was expecting. But it's, you know, there's always the chance that they spend well in the January window, give the squad a bit of a boost. But I think you're right. I think it is kind of sliding time now.
2: Yeah, I mean, especially with how close the league is. I mean, Liverpool are 10 points back on them. I can't see them getting in the top four, really. But it just goes to show how close the league is and how close the race is for like, the Europa League and the Champions League. And I think if they go through a bad patch of form, then they could easily be taken over and they could easily slide into mid-table. Um, and I don't think they'll recover from that if it happens.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think we're, we're seeing a similar thing with Watford at the moment. You know, a couple of dodgy results and they're right back into the claws of the proper, proper mid-table. Let me just have a look at exactly where they are there. They're yeah, ninth now, you know, 3 points ahead of West Brom in 12th. They're closer to... Yep, closer to the relegation zone than they are to the top of the table now. Very close, isn't it? It He's quite close. And, yeah, I think that's something that's going to play against Leicester, as you say.
1: I just agree with Scott and say that they do just look generally tired. They had those run of games over Christmas. I watched them against Liverpool and against Man City, and they just didn't have that same spark that they'd carried in their team in the weeks earlier. For me, that's why that they've started to slip away, and that's why they will continue to slip away. I don't see them being able to buy enough in January without unsettling the team that will give them that extra spark. So I think maybe the slide will start to set in now and they'll finish top half, but not challenging for the title of like the Champions League place.
0: Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's about right. Aidan, you've been... Uh quite enough so far. Have you got a prediction for us? I hope you have. You're yes, meant
3: to. I have. Um I, I agree with what everyone said about Leicester, that's why I didn't bother butting in. I think I've said this before, actually, in one of the previous podcasts, but I... and This is pretty outlandish, actually, but perhaps not so much. I'm going to say there won't be a single English club in the last eight of any European competition for the second year running. I think Arsenal and Chelsea are, are both underdogs in their fixtures in the Champions League, despite... Chelsea's recent resurgence and I think City get beat by most Premier League clubs at the minute and uh, I think they'll find a a trip to Ukraine and the Ukrainian champions tougher than they think. Uh, They don't lose at home very often. Although, I I, I don't think they play competitively again until City actually so that might work in City's favour. But then in the the Europa League, I don't think Spurs have got a very big squad and they lost to Fiorentina last season. Augsburg will be Tough cookies for Liverpool and United. will probably get past Midgetland, but they've they've still got another round to go after that. So I'm feeling slightly confident about that. I might see what um, see what Skybet says.
0: That's certainly a shout. And yes, you said we we discussed this when the uh, when the draws for the Champions League and Europa League came out. I'm kind of with you on the Spurs one. Certainly, and you mentioned the lack of competitive football for uh, in Ukraine generally now and the next round of the Champions League as a potential pitfall there's always a chance that rested and raring to go from their Christmas break yeah there's always a chance that they come in and eviscerate City who are you know looking a bit, a little bit tired, a lot of people half fit, yeah there's always a chance that the coming straight out of the break works in their favour
1: City have actually got a really thin squad if you look at it with their injuries that they've had they've not really got the players to come in and, and do the job that they need them to do
0: yeah, I mean, that's, um, I think that's, that's been shown up lately with a lot of their injuries. I mean, when Sergio Aguero is out, Wilfred Bonnie is um, you know, He's still a good striker, but he's nowhere near the same class. He's not the kind of person you'd, ex- you'd re- expect to reliably fire you into the last eight of the Champions League. Uh, now, Jamie, you, uh, you have a prediction, I believe.
1: I do have a prediction. My prediction for 2016 is that Manchester United will come good at some point. And be that team everybody expects them to be.
2: I knew it was gonna be that <laughs>
0: <laughs> define come good are they gonna are they going to um make their way into the top four into the top two? are they gonna you know end the year at the top of the table? How good are you expecting them to come?
1: Well, ending this season at the top of the table, so we're talking May might be a little bit too much of a push, but certainly by the start of next season and the end of this new calendar year. I would expect them to be going into that season, starting that season as favourites, or at least one of the top two favourites.
0: Any reasons for that, or is that just United fan optimism?
1: Well, it's just general human optimism, you know. (laughs) 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 Seriously, there are are reasons, though. Um, This whole last 18 months has been like a, a phase one of the project for Louis van Gaal, and I think... What we've seen over the last few weeks is whilst they've had obviously all that criticism of not scoring goals, not creating chances, it's almost like phase one of the project is complete and now he's ready to move on to phase two, which is figuring out how to attack after he's sorted out the defence and the stability in the overall squad, if that makes any sense. I think we've seen it a little bit with the Chelsea game just before New Year and then... Again, this weekend against Swansea, there was a little bit more attacking impetus. Not, not a great deal, but enough to show that there's a step forward being made.
0: Yeah, that Chelsea game, which by the way was nowhere near as bad as it was made out to be. I agree with that completely. Yeah, it finished nil nil, but I mean, but for a couple of, well, a handful of absolutely brilliant saves, that's a completely different scoreline. If that finishes, say two two, it's the same match. But nobody's calling it boring. Ah, oh, scoreline so... culture. <laughs>
1: To continue on that theme, there was a story in the Sunday Times this weekend that said basically Van Hal is assured of his job now for the immediate future. The The plan within the club is to stick with that initial vision of him being in charge, setting it up, and then Ryan Giggs being groomed to take over thereafter. All of the pressure that he was under just before Christmas, it didn't seem very substantial. It was like it was an invention of Twitter and social media. So there was that whole incident in December where Twitter had decided that he'd been sacked when actually he hadn't been sacked and I think that that was possibly never an issue to begin with whilst the results weren't brilliant on the pitch I think he always had the faith of the the board and and Edward Wood. I think with that backing with the new sort of impetus phase one of the project complete moving on to phase two 2016 could be a year for United to get back to that level where they want to be at that's my prediction
0: yeah and that ties in actually quite well with mine which is that Louis van Gaal will be at Manchester United at the end of the year I mean if he didn't get binned before Christmas what else is it going to take last couple of games as you've said the team has started to show some signs of life I really think it's, it's time for them to start putting together a decent run of form and if not challenge for the title because I do think that is probably a little beyond them unless City and Arsenal really start to stutter again they can still comfortably make it into the top three I think that progress will be enough for the club to give him that one last year of his contract until it runs out next summer Uh, summer uh, summer 2017. And yeah, as you say, I mean, he's there as a manager to slowly build progress, not as a kind of... Not what Real Madrid are expecting out of Rafa Benitez. I mean, by the time this goes up, they may well have sacked him. What, six, seven months after hiring him? Because they wanted immediate success. And I think... I'd like to think... I'm certainly no United fan, as you know, but um, I'd like to think that United are more sensible than that and better run than that.
1: As a United fan, it sort of distresses me sometimes when you hear... Other fans, supporters, and wanting that kind of short-term success where everybody was craving, Jose Mourinho would come in and take over and immediately have that kind of impact where you win trophies. But to me, that short-termism isn't right. If he'd have arrived at United, there's nothing to suggest the same wouldn't have happened that happened to him everywhere else he's been, where he has success initially, and then it just falls apart because people get sick of him. And I didn't really, I don't want to see that.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's. I don't think he, certainly Mourinho. I don't. I don't think he's a um, ever going to get the legacy that he wants. I don't think it's. I don't think it's in him to stay at a club for more than two or three years without burning too many bridges. Whether that's within the club itself or uh, in the media and with the FA of whatever country he happens to be in, which then puts the pressure in, and then he burns all his bridges at the club because he's he's nothing if not reliably unreliable. Jose Mourinho. Anyone else got anything on United? I've been trying to
2: think of what my opinion is uh, while you've been talking. I I really don't know. Having watched them in their last couple of games, yes, their attacks got better. But I do think they've regressed a little bit defensively as a result of that. I mean, there's been a few times this season now where United have conceded really, really glaring chances. I mean, that that, uh, chance for Matic at Old Trafford in the second half. If he'd have scored that, I think Van Hal actually might have gone. But it just goes to show I, that was that was a much improved performance against Chelsea. And the result, even though they didn't win, it probably saved Van Hal's job because of the performance that came with it. But it just goes to show how how things could be so different. I mean, I, I, I for one, was quite convinced that he'd lose his job. Uh, I mean, they really weren't playing very well at all. They didn't look to be any, any positives at all. Especially after earlier on in the season, it was all built on a solid defence, and then the attack would would come later, as Jamie was saying. And it still could prove to be the case. But, I mean, there is a long way to go, yeah. And I think I think Van Hal's job will be safe for the rest of the season, at least. Now, that storm seems to have gone. But they need Champions League. They are a lot closer to it now than... Well, obviously, they're closer to it now than they were before the last game after they win against Swansea. So, they're right back in the mix. And they should get it, I think. But you never know. Things can change quickly.
1: I think the issue, for me, at this point is... He's obviously a different manager to Sir Alex Ferguson. What a lot of people still want is that same brand of football, that same level of success. You can't have vast changes in coaching and expect the same products at the end of it. The results obviously have to be the same, but you're not going to get there the same way. And I think anybody who still wants that to happen is barking up the wrong tree.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think another problem for that certainly United fans maybe should be cautious of is that Ed Woodward might be a large part of the decision might have a large role in making the decision about the next manager and I mean if you've seen his record with players over the last few years you're going to have Steve Evans managing Manchester United (laughs) if if past form's anything to go by
1: The problem with that one is I think while Ed Woodward is obviously a world-class exceptional businessman he's not a football person in the sense of his background is finance and it's economics and numbers and making commercial deals. It's not signing football players, signing football managers.
0: Yeah, I agree entirely on, on Woodward. I think he's... Um, I have nothing against him as a as a person. I just don't think he's in the right job. He must be exceptionally thankful for the letter D, because if the letter D didn't exist, Edward Woodward, uh, his name would be Woo LAUGHTER <laughs> Anyway, right, United aside, because um, we've had a, a couple of United predictions there. Let's move along to uh, our next round of predictions. Now, given that it's January, if you hadn't noticed with calendars and the New Year's hangovers, there's a fair bit of transfer chat flying around. So on that theme, one prediction
3: each for the forthcoming transfer window. Aiden? I don't think that this transfer window is going to be very exciting at all. I listened to Jurgen Klopp on Focus on Saturday, and I thought he summed it up perfectly. Which was, he, he was saying, if you January is not the window to to sign players and build a team because you've only you bring him in and you've probably got about three days to get him ready for the next match, um, getting used to your system and and also develop a ra- relationship with um, his fellow players. So really, you're looking for someone to come in and hit the ground running, and there are few players available in January who can do that. So. I think it's it's going to be quite low-key, um, in, in terms of the top clubs at the top of the Premier League anyway. Obviously, there's uh, there's Elneny at Arsenal and, and Grujic at Liverpool. I think it'll just be players like that, people coming to do jobs or people who, with whom you've got um, an eye on the future with. But all this talk of Neymar and James Rodriguez and Marco Royce, even, people like that, I just think that's completely pie in the sky. And if you think like that, then prepare to be underwhelmed, really.
0: Am I right in thinking that uh, somebody recently said that they saw Michael Royce mentioned as a backup for Jordan Henderson at Liverpool? No, it was Cruz. No, that was. Uh, <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah that's even worse. <laughs> that's mad. I'm sorry. That's mad. Liverpool
1: transfer room, is there for you, isn't it?
0: Okay, so um, Jamie, what have you got down for your transfer window prediction?
1: Well, mine's uh, on a similar theme to Aiden, actually, in the sense of. I don't really think there's going to be too much exciting to look forward to. Moving on from, obviously we've mentioned Hamas Rodriguez and Neymar and those big foreign names. I don't think there's going to be an awful lot of movement between the English clubs. So for example, you've got John Stones has suddenly come up as a, a transfer target for United and he was linked with Chelsea in the summer and, and they're supposed to be going to war over him this month. And there's the, the thing with Berahino will come up to Tottenham as well, again probably. These smaller clubs these days seem to be more financially stable. They, they don't need to sell if somebody comes in with a big offer. It's not the same thing as it used to be, and they're they're more able to keep the players. And we saw that over the summer. So I think there'll be less and less big deals between English clubs over the next few years, unless the fees get absolutely astronomical. And I don't see. United or Chelsea or anybody else offering more than 40
0: million for John Stone's mid-season it just doesn't make sense now see I agree with that in general I do see Barrahino moving this January just because I don't think West Brom have any kind of motivation to keep hold of him he's not doing anything as part of their first team he's not he's not part of their first team and I think they're actually going to want to get rid now before his lack of game time drives his price down further and further and further in the summer
3: I agree with that, actually. Same to you. I agree with everything Jamie said, but, but then um, what you said after as well. I think they can probably get far more money than they deserve to get for him if they sell him now. Um, I just think it's in their best interest. and I, I, Everything I've I've read suggests that Tony Pulis is, is trying to bring in reinforcements, and I think that could be his way to do it by selling Berahino.
1: Could I add it out there to one actual prediction, as opposed to the non-prediction that I gave before? Yes, to push an actual prediction of something happening, I can see one deal going through, and that will be Charlie Austin to a mid to lower Premier League club because he was a big part of the the transfer rumours over the summer that QPR wanted, supposedly 15 million for him, and now when he's only got six months left on his contract, this talk that he'll go for eight million or less, and that's a good number, a good affordable number for a lot of clubs. So you know, there's a lot of clubs that are in need of a, a striker like Crystal Palace or Newcastle. So I think that somebody will have him before the end of the month. I can see that.
0: And, Scott, finally, your transfer window prediction, so we can tick these all off or uh, tell you horrendously wrong at the end of the month.
2: (laughs) I'll I'll just run through this quickly, Um, because everything, well, my point that I wanted to discuss or bitch about has already been mentioned. Reading those Neymar rumours, they drive me insane. It is worse than Nicolas Gaetan. Please stop writing or making me write these rumours, please. <laughs> but, I agree but, with Arahino as well.
0: But what about for 140 million, Scott?
2: Well, I mean, theoretically, if United pay that now, then they'll have to talk to him because that's his release clause. United are probably stupid enough to do that. Well, I say stupid. It's not a stupid move. I think in today's market, it would be it'd be value for money, probably, with the amount of money they make back in merchandise sales and things like that.
0: And given the given the amount of time that he's got left... Yeah, what
2: is he, 22, 23?
0: Yeah, it certainly makes a lot more sense than a you know 100-odd million move for Ronaldo, which I've seen, which is just a, a massive nonsense.
2: Yeah. he I, I know he's mentioned that he's not entirely sure what's going on with his contract at Barcelona and his renewal, but it's just all talk, that is. I think he's just probably trying to drive his wages up for the next year he signs. I think he will eventually sign something with Barcelona, and United will continue to chase him forever and ever without
0: get, ever getting him because that's just what they do. I suspect you might be about right.
1: There is an interesting point, though, with Barcelona about these transfers, because there are growing rumours that they might be having financial issues. At some point in the future, if they're in a, a real situation, they might have to sell some of their best players without, you know, to almost, well, not balance the book, but when clubs need money, they need to sell players, and if they have saleable assets, that might have to sell them further down the line. It's not beyond the realms of impossibility.
0: See, I see your point there. I don't think that's something that is as much of an issue for them, certainly not immediately over the next year or so, as it's being played up as being by kind of rumour blogs, Don Ballon and the rest of it who want the rumour traffic to their website. I don't think that's, um, I don't think Bass are in anywhere near as bad a shape as as they might be being made out to be.
1: I'm not saying it's like an immediate issue, but I'm just saying it might be one to keep an eye on developing over the next few years, because you said it before, Neymar's only very young, so you know, there is a, a potential for it to come up in
0: the future. This is true. Right, that's a transfer window out of the way, that was all a little underwhelming, uh, which kind of fits, because that's what we think the transfer window will be. But with the sensible must come the silly, with the good comes the bad, with the Force Awakens must come with Phantom Menace. Uh, here are the long shot outside chance predictions for 2016.
3: Aiden. Right, outlandish, this means you can't really disagree because it's meant to be silly. So, don't. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to stick my neck on the line and say Ranieri will be gone before Christmas. Wow! <laughs> As was alluded to previously, I think a second half slump is coming. Possibly that momentum will weigh them down further next season. Claudio's charm may then run out, his players will be too full of pizza and champagne um, for reaching pointless milestones like, I don't know, losing only 3-0 or someone other than Marez and Vardy scoring, I don't know. But yeah, that's um, that's my shout.
0: But, <laughs> but it's Claudio. <laughs> I
3: love it. That's what happens, isn't it? Cool game. Claudio Ranieri
0: is basically like my daily blend. <laughs> okay, wow, that's... Yeah, I can see that as a a long shot. I don't necessarily disagree. You've seen it with some some teams, um, like I think Sam Allardyce had this problem at West Ham. uh, Previously, once you have an absolute flying start, once you do really well for about six months, when the results start to go downhill and you start to kind of regress towards the mean, the manager can take more stick for those results than they would have if they hadn't had the good run. Managing expectations again, isn't it? It is managing expectations again, so yeah, that's... That is certainly a shame. It kind of ties in with mine that we'll get to in a bit. Jamie.
1: So whilst mine has a thread of silliness, is also a genuine possibility as well, which I thought was a nice balance to have for this outlandish section. I'm going to say that at some, well, in the summer in 2016, Zlatan Ibrahimovic will be a Premier League player.
0: <laughs> sure. No, sorry. Carry on. <laughs>
1: You, uh, you sound like you don't believe me, but I mean, it would just be really fun to see his agent over the weekend, as he always does all the time, keeps talking about it. He actually said to Sky Sports on Saturday, I would like to see him in the Premier League. I think it's a game that is made for him with his strength, his ability, his technique, the stadiums with fantastic atmosphere and how football is lived. There is a genuine chance that it could happen. It's probably not going to happen. You might see him more pushing towards America or the Middle East. But you know, there might be a one or two clubs that in need of a bit of a, a short term kick. Like probably more of a Chelsea or Man City signing, potentially a United signing. Probably not an Arsenal signing. But it could happen and I'd quite like it to happen. I think
0: it'd be fun. Well, I can't deny that it would be fun. Dude loves a lot of it. And he's
1: free as well, so you know.
0: Yeah. I think a lot depends on uh, how PSG do in the Champions League this season. I think if Paris Saint-Germain win the Champions League this season, I don't think he stays in Europe. If they don't, then yeah, I think he might be right. You know, go to a big club, maybe a big English club.
1: I mean, people comment about his age, but he's actually hit his best form since he turned 30. Yeah, people were point to Zlatan scoring his goals in France for a very good team in France. he actually started that run in his last season at AC Milan. He scored 35 goals in all competitions and in the years since he scored 35, 41, 30. And he's on course to top 30 again this season at the age of 34. So he's he's matured from his younger days when he was a bit erratic and inconsistent. He's actually got much better since he's hit 30. So I think he could still do a job for a good team in a good league.
0: Okay, so Zlatan to the Premier League says... Jamie, how about you, Scott? What have you got? Just to touch on Zlatan for a
2: second. He's not the type of player who would probably be that affected by his age. Usually you associate get going into your 30s with losing your pace, losing that extra yard to get away from a defender. He's never been that type of player. He's needed that little bit more sense in his head, that little bit more experience. And I think he'd be a great signing for any of the top five, including Liverpool, if they can ever get him. But... My outlandish prediction is that Liverpool will actually sign a Borussia Dortmund player this year. Marco Reus, Aubameyang, Gundogan. No, I think it's just going to end up being Nevin Subotic, isn't it?
1: Somebody who used to play for Dortmund, like Kevin Grosskreutz.
2: Yeah, or something like that. I mean, you, you just know all year long we're going to see Liverpool after... Every, every single day you will get a Liverpool linked with a German footballer who plays in the Bundesliga because Klopp is at Liverpool. Yeah, I've been doing the live blog
0: today and there's been a few pop-up already. It right. doesn't
1: seem to matter that Klopp seems to keep saying he doesn't want them or he's like he's <laughs> German players, everyone just keeps, seems to keep telling him that he's got to, that he has to, that everyone wants to go to Liverpool because Liverpool is Liverpool and Klopp is Klopp.
0: Yeah, but Jamie, he used to manage them, didn't you hear? Or the, he used to manage near them or they might have smelled him once. Or, is Jurgen Klopp, Jamie? <laughs>
1: I got some heavy abuse for saying that it would never happen. So maybe I should just stop.
0: Can you
2: imagine, though, if they actually do it? We'll see. I mean, there's a possibility that they could get one, but they're not going to get one of their big, big players. I highly doubt that. If Klopp is going to go out and buy new members of his squad, he's not going to spend 30, 40 million on players. He's going to be shrewd. He'll buy who he thinks will fit his system, probably for relatively cheap money. If he's going to succeed, he'll do it that way, because Liverpool don't have the financial capabilities to compete with United, City... Even Arsenal, to a degree, now they've shown that they can or they're willing to spend 40 million on players. I mean, they bought Urzel for 42 million a couple of years ago, spent 35 on Sanchez. And I think Arsenal are in that club now that will go out and spend big money after clearing their stadium debt. But I don't think Liverpool are. I'd say it's probably probably going to be Nevin Supertich if it's going to be anybody.
0: I think if Liverpool were in that category at any point, then um, they're spending over the last couple of summers is probably going to have put them off it because whenever they've spent big it's backfired yeah exactly right now my my outlandish prediction for 2016 just around this off it's another Leicester one and it's that Jamie Vardy's going to score fewer than 10 goals in the calendar year 2016 for all of his incredible run of form in the last six months both he and Leicester I think we've seen have started to pull up over the last couple of weeks and beginning to worry that it's not so much a blip for them but the result of All the exposure they've gotten, everyone's starting to figure them out, as it were. A lot, a lot of playing time for Vardy. Uh, And he's already beginning to show the strain. I mean, he's a player in his late 20s who's pushed hard through injuries and niggles that should have seen him maybe take a game or two off in pursuit of Ruud van Nistelrooy's Premier League record. He's having groin surgery this week on something that I think when he'd scored eight in a row, I think he had that groin injury, pulled up lame with it, Uh, and he's played through it and this is the result of not taking that rest. I think that strain is going to keep dragging his performances down until he can get a real, actual, proper break. And with how much Leicester seems to rely on him at the moment, I don't think that's going to be anytime soon. And uh, yeah, fewer than ten calendar goals. Uh, fewer than ten goals in the next calendar year.
2: Or Chelsea after he signs for them for thirty million.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Oh, well, God, they would suit each other so well.
1: As good as he's been, if anybody pays. 30 million or more than 20 million for a player in his late 20s who's had one half of a good Premier League season. They need their head sort in. was actually interesting because when you said groin surgery, I thought you said brain surgery.
3: <laughs>
1: I wasn't really paying attention.
3: He's <laughs> <laughs> <It was> not <laughs> a racist anymore.
0: Yeah, see, I, I, I managed to get through a whole thing about Jamie Vardy without saying it. I, I almost didn't bring him up. I really, really almost didn't bring him up because I was like, yeah, but but I don't want to be accused of just... Ragging on Vardy again, but you know, I mean, it's it's not a personal thing; it's a football thing, and I think it's a valid point. Again, now Vardy aside, I think um, if, if if everyone can just assure me that I'm not going mad and this isn't just a vendetta, and that what I said was faintly reasonable,
3: yeah,
0: I, I You're see. okay. Thank you for support group. Enthusiastic support group. Oh yeah, very. Oh, that's as much as I expect from you lot. Um, now, Scott, I believe you have a a little bonus prediction. A little bonus one that I've just remembered,
2: and it's to do with Euro 2016. Not who will win it, but who is going to compete in it. Obviously, we know who's who's competing in it, but... um...
0: Yeah, yeah, that's not a very outlandish (laughs) prediction. That's that's not even a prediction at all. That's just looking at the lineup.
2: (laughs) I tripped up there. Anyway, my prediction to do with Euro 2016 is that Wales will beat England 1-0 thanks to Gareth Bale in the group stages. There we go. That's my prediction. That's a very specific prediction. Wales are just made to, made to frustrate. I think uh, I'm really looking forward to that as a Welshman, as all the people in Wales are. I'm not really sure how the English feel towards it or whether they've got bigger fish to fry than Wales. But I think the way Wales play, it's really they play passionately. They don't uh, get exposed too often. And I think that England, though they've got some quality young players, I don't think they're built to open solid teams up. And I think that Gareth Bale providing he doesn't get injured, will prove the difference.
1: It's an interesting point you make about Wales being more passionate. I, for one, don't think that England will be motivated for that game, even though it's possibly the biggest game they've had for a while. It just doesn't seem like... I can't remember, in recent memory, them being up for any game.
0: I mean, I remember when I was younger, England-Wales matches being massive events, big clashes, but I think that might have less been the mood of the nation and the team but more the fact that I was an English kid living in Wales at the time. You know, there's, there's a lot of pressure there because if England lose, you're not here in the end of it for about 12 months because, yeah, I mean, it's a thing. Welsh people have so little in the sporting arena. They tend to cling on to uh, anything they can get. Isn't that right, Scott? Yep. Most of them end up becoming glory-supporting, uh, say, United fans.
2: It's,
0: uh, it's a whole thing. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, just to round off this week's podcast a round of quickfire predictions about the Premier League at the end of the year who we think is going to be uh, top dogs I was thinking about doing a uh, round of predictions for next year's top team and next year's bottom team and then I remembered that we don't know who's going to be in Premier (laughs) League next season (laughs) I mean I'm tempted to say Aston Villa anyway just because I think there's just something about them that even if they get relegated they could still contrive a way to be bottom of the Premier League uh, on December 31st 2016 they're just that hopeless but not that quick round of predictions who's going to be top of the Premier League at the end of 2016 Jamie
1: so I couldn't say what I said before and then not pick Manchester United for this so
3: that's what I'm saying Aiden uh, Sheffield Wednesday obviously. Um, with Ballon d'Or nominee Fernando Forestieri leading goal scoring charts. Scott!
2: Tottenham. I picked Tottenham because I feel that they are going in the right direction under Pochettino. This season they've been, they've lost two games, which is crazy for Tottenham. Two games and 20. Now they've they've drawn nine and won nine, um, but they've shown that they can win late on in tough games. They've got a young team of players with some of the the country's brightest talents i think they'll go out and spend again in the summer and i think pochettino has ridded the team of those bad eggs that forever uh tottenham achieving what their potential is i think he's just doing a really good job and yeah i just think tottenham are really well equipped to go forward and i think that with the unpredictability of the premier league anything can really happen
0: so tottenham for me
2: you're all <laughs> mad <laughs>
0: and i'm not sure if i'm going to add any balance this because i'm going to say it's going to be chelsea
1: with who is manager
0: that is a very good question to which i don't particularly have an answer they will have jamie vardy up front though not scoring goals <laughs> well i mean this is the thing look for all that's happened this season they've got they've got a team of good players they'll be fighting i think the the second half of this season i think will a lot of it will be building for next year, I think Abramovich will be particularly stung, and I think he'll go all out in the summer. I think the players, their pride will be pricked. However much they have looked like they don't care at various points this season, I think their pride will be pricked by what's happened this season, and I think they will roar back uh, at the start of, start of next season, end of uh, end of the calendar year. Hopefully not. Well, hopefully, obviously hopefully not. Good lord, I mean, nobody wants this, but... Uh... <laughs> It's not a Christmas list. We're past this. This is the the grim future of 2016. We'll see you all next week. I've been Chris Deely. It's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from Aidan. Goodbye. It's goodbye from Jamie. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from Scott. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.